Hey Permies, Vincent here, your permaculture guide. In this episode, we're going to cover raised beds, particularly the raised beds I've created for my kitchen garden. I'm also going to discuss some other methods of raised beds. These other designs have their pluses and negatives. Most of this episode will be covering 4x8 raised beds made out of 2x6 boards that you can buy from a home improvement store. Let's get into it. For my kitchen garden, I'm using raised beds. A row that you start just from the ground may be one of the easiest ways to start growing. The trade-off is that you will be investing a lot of labor with a broad fork to establish a row crop method. Raised beds are also aesthetically pleasing, aside from the versatile opportunities that they provide. The raised bed method is expensive on the upfront costs, however, there are many benefits and versatilities for raised beds. If you price out the beds over the years of using the garden bed, they become much cheaper. I get to build a bed that has an instant 16 inches of soil in the first season. I also have a rocky soil type, which means when I put a shovel in the ground, I can only get about 2 inches before striking rock. That rock might be about the size of a softball or as big as a basketball. This isn't very easy to broad fork, so raised beds are my best way of starting a garden for my kitchen. There are some other soil types that have no choice but to make a raised bed, such as a hard pan, which means soil with a lot of clay and is very difficult to have any plants grow in. Perhaps this land was driven on a lot or there were a lot of animals that frequently walked over the land. Your soil might also be contaminated. So if you do plan on growing with rows, you should test your soil, especially if this land is relatively new to you. You don't really know what's in the soil. A common soil contaminant is lead. If your soil has a lot of lead, you should build garden beds instead of using rows right in the ground. You'll also want to use a landscape fabric for your lead contaminated soil so that the soil doesn't mix over the long term. Your garden beds will need to be in a level location. Since I live in a slightly slanted area, I need to level my garden beds. This is where a four by eight foot bed comes in handy because I can't dig very deep, but I can dig enough to level my beds. If the beds aren't leveled, the soil will overflow on one side and you won't be able to use the height on the other side efficiently. You won't have to broad fork the beds to get started. You definitely are not going to be tempted to walk on these raised beds. When you're not walking in the raised bed, you're not going to have as much compaction. If you have a bad back, raised beds will save you from bending over as much. You could also build benches on the sides, which I will do in the future. Using raised beds will keep animals out, particularly your dog or poultry. Now, poultry will still make their way into the bed, especially when they find out you're growing great food. You will need to keep them out or keep your eye out on them. 
if you're going to build in a yard that doesn't have a fence, you will need to consider to keep deer and other larger herbivores out of your garden beds. You may want to consider building a fence specifically around your garden beds. Typically, deer won't have too much interest inside of a fenced-in space where they don't know there is food already. That means if you built your garden beds before you built your fence and the deer already found the food, well, building a fence is going to be very difficult that isn't jumpable to keep them out. If you built your garden bed after you built your fence, it's very likely the deer won't be very interested. However, you might want to consider a very high deer fence to contain your garden. In my case, I already had a fence installed. The fence is a typical fence height for a backyard. However, there is a horizontal wire fence that will keep the deer from jumping over. It also keeps large dogs from jumping over, which is what the previous owners used the fence for. If you have an HOA, they likely will not like the setup that I have. You will likely need a taller fence. The rows in between these raised beds do take up space. That could be used for growing. You could grow in the rows. In my case, I'm using my rows for other purposes. My rows are about three feet wide, which is perfect for about two people in a wheelbarrow. It also gives me some extra space to put in my future benches. My rows will stay with grass. Now, that's not something I would suggest for most folks that have a kitchen garden with raised beds. Your best bet is to use wood chips. You will want to have a thick layer of wood chips in your rows to prevent any weeds from growing. The grass that grows also needs to be contained. If you used a weed trimmer instead of this wood chip method, you might end up chipping away at the base of your raised bed over time. You might not notice it at first, but after about five years, your wood is going to get softer and the weed trimmer is just going to eat right into the base of your beds. In my case, I have a small animal that will keep my grass trimmed. I use guinea pigs, and they are literally my lawn mowers. I don't mow very often between my ducks and guinea pigs. And these guinea pigs are going to free range in between the rows. They're going to eat the grass to a healthy level, and I will move them in between the rows and throughout my lawn. When building a raised bed, there are many plans you can access online. I won't discuss a specific garden bed plan here, but I will focus on my building methods for a 4 by 8 foot bed. This is the most common type of bed. The most common length of wood is a 2 by 6. That means the board itself is 2 inches by 6 inches. Technically, it's a little bit smaller in actual dimensions. However, it's commonly referred to as 2 by 6. Most people will build a raised bed that is 4 foot by 8 foot. You can build beds that are bigger. In my case, that's the size that I chose. Four foot wide beds are best to reach into the bed on each side. You need to tend to all of the plants and you don't want to have any plants forgotten. You can go as big as four by 12 feet, four by 16 feet. It's really up to you on how long you want to build your bed. Keep in mind, the longer your bed is, the more stability you'll need on the longer side of the rectangle the boards will need extra support. The longer the raised bed, the more support you're going to need to keep that soil contained. When you're using two by six boards, it's best to buy the 12 foot length for these eight foot beds because each board will be used for one half of each side. 
This saves on a ton of wood. You'll actually save money for each bed in this case, and you're not going to have as much wasted wood. You'll literally only have about two inches of wasted wood if you use a two by six by 12 foot board. If you don't have a vehicle that can haul this wood and you do have a trailer hitch, you should head over to your local hardware store and get a bed extender. Bed extenders run about $60, and this is going to allow even your short bed truck to haul 2x6x12-foot boards. I suggest going to your local Lowe's home improvement store to buy your 2x6x12-foot board. They have a better quality board and tends to be more square than your local Home Depot will. In order to keep these beds in place, you're going to want to use a metal plate that you nail in, or you're going to want to use four by four foot posts. Those four by four posts will go in each corner. If you're going to use a metal plate, your metal plates will be nailed on the inside to keep each segment of your raised bed in place. Home Depot does have a better metal plate, so if you have the ability to go to both home improvement stores, you'll want to go to Home Depot for a cheaper, not as wide metal plate for your raised bed. You're also going to want a three and a half inch deck screw for fastening your boards together. If the ground that you're building your garden beds on is in good shape with little rock, you'll also need to source some hardware cloth. This hardware cloth or landscape fabric, if you prefer, is going to keep burrowing animals out as well as weeds. The most expensive part of building raised beds would be the soil. Buying soil in bulk is best. You can source leaf compost from your local landscape and garden center. This is the cheapest way to buy soil. You could buy bagged soil, but you will spend a small fortune. Otherwise, if you have enough compost that you've built up over the years, you could get away with making compost for your raised beds. However, it's going to take several seasons to create it. With the amount of raised beds that I created in my kitchen garden in one season, I could not use my compost that I made from my kitchen scraps. I had to source soil from somewhere else. You likely will as well. To lessen the cost of the soil, you could use a hugo culture method to begin your raised beds, which is what I did. Hugo culture is using older pieces of wood of varying sizes mixed with some other inoculating material like wood chips, compost, hay as the first layer of your raised bed. This also has many benefits for the garden in the long term and the wood will definitely break down and serve as a fertilizer for the length of the raised bed's life. You can expect a raised bed to last you at least 10 years or more if you use pine. You can expect your cedar to last at least twice as long, 20 years or more. If you want to try to preserve your pine raised bed as much as possible, you may want to consider staining exterior. Do not stain or paint the interior. I chose raised beds for their versatility. I'm looking forward to cold frames for my raised bed, which will allow me to grow in my raised beds all year around. Another nice benefit to a raised bed is you could put a PVC pipe or multiple PVC pipes in your raised bed with holes in it. They have to be big enough for a worm to squeeze through, and you can use your red wiggler compost worms in your bed. You can put your plant-based compost in this PVC pipe for direct vermicompost fertilizer as the compost worms will eat away at the compost and spread the finished black gold, aka 
worm castings into the soil for your plants to soak up. I'm also looking forward to designing small animal coops that fit in a 4x8 space where they can sit right on a raised bed and manure all over to help keep the soil fertilized, productive, and abundant. A common raised bed design that came from Africa is a keyhole garden. You would stack rock in a circular fashion with a notch open to enter and take care of the garden. This notch will also have at the end a composting area where you could also put your red wiggler compost worms in so that you still have this benefit of spreading black gold into the rest of your raised bed garden. It would be best to make this in a standard size and make multiple if you're interested in the compost garden method. A stacked rock method called an herb spiral is very popular among permies. I use my herb spiral for kitchen herbs, particularly pungent kitchen herbs, because mine doesn't have a fence around it. These pungent kitchen herbs are deer-free or deer-resistant because the deer don't like pungent-flavored herbs. They leave them alone. So my herbs that are included in this herb spiral are lavender, rosemary, lemon balm, peppermint, thyme, and catnip. Time will tell if it will be a common place for the cats to hang out. If you're living in a location that doesn't allow long-term raised bed construction, you might want to consider more mobile raised beds. I started with a brand called Big Bag Bed. They are a circular bed that holds soil. They aren't very deep, but they are perfect for your beginning kitchen garden, especially if you're renting and you don't anticipate to leave your garden bed there for very long. You can accompany this with the same brand called the Compost Sack. They're made of the same material, and you'll be able to compost as well at your mobile temporary location. One downfall that I've seen with the compost sack is that rodents have chewed through the bottom of one of my compost sacks. Raccoons or possums will dig on the top. Usually they're looking for insects. However, they'll also find kitchen scraps if the compost wasn't buried deep enough with the carbon layer. You'll want to keep the compost layered properly and have plenty of carbon material on top to cover the kitchen scrap material, or you can use the compost sack itself by pinching it together and putting something heavy on top, like some cut logs, to prevent these pests from entering the top. Another alternative, you could also stack logs in a circular or rectangular or any other shape to make a temporary raised bed. Again, this won't be as deep as a 16-inch raised bed made out of 2x6 boards, but a raised bed is better than no bed at all. The stacked logs may invite pests such as rodents, snakes, or termites, which will enjoy the stacked logs. Another alternative would be to stack rock on the edges to make your raised bed. This will definitely take a lot more time to stack the rock properly. Taking apart a rock-stacked garden bed would also be time-intensive. Plus, it would be a shame with all of that initial time invested to make the bed and then be taken apart. If you're living in an urban environment, 
consider the garden barrel. You could source a 55-gallon barrel yourself and make the garden barrel with 40 to 50 plant slots if you have the materials or the equipment to do so. What's nice about this design is that you can pack a lot of plants in a small square footage of space. You can install a PVC pipe in the center to allow composting with compost worms or vermicompost. The garden barrel will also create compost tea as the water drips out of the bottom of the barrel, which is great for compost tea collection and used for either the barrel itself up top or other plants that you may have. Thanks for tuning in to my journey into permaculture. See you next time.